I'm Senator Paula Simons, and this is Alberta Unbound. Chaldeans Mensa is a political scientist, a professor at McEwen University in Edmonton. His official academic area of expertise is in international relations, but for years he's also been an acute observer of Alberta's political scene. Back when I was a political columnist with the Edmonton Journal, Dr. Mensa was someone I regularly interviewed, and we spent a lot of time sitting next to each other on panels of political pundits. But although I've known him professionally for years, I've never really talked to him about his own life story and how he became not just an analyst of Alberta's political culture, but how he became an Albertan himself. And in the aftermath of the Black Lives Matter protests and debates of the last few months, I was particularly keen to include his voice in our discussions of Alberta identity. We recorded this interview just before Christmas, days after a disturbing series of physical attacks on black Edmontonians, what appeared to be hate crimes inspired both by racism and Islamophobia. With that for context, here's our conversation. Thank you very much for joining us. I wanted to start by asking you a question with your political scientist's hat on. Um, How has, in your observation over the years, because you've been a close observer of Alberta politics, how have various Alberta governments used Alberta identity as a political tool? I think if you look at the um, vicissitudes of political life in Alberta, I mean, I've been in Alberta for, now this is my 36th year in Alberta, and I've seen all the changes uh, from Don Getty, Ralph Klein, you know, then you have the Red Fort, uh, all the way down to, um, you know, Richard Notley, and then, and then right now, J- uh, Jason Kenney. I think what I see is the Alberta conservatives, uh, the, the Tory, the, the, the Tory variant, the PC variant, and the UCP current government, I think they use Alberta identity in a sense of capturing what is being a populist strain in Alberta's political culture, of wanting to be seen as um, exceptional, wanting to be seen in juxtaposition to an external threat to Alberta, right? In this yes. case, Ottawa, right? And the governments have used this successfully over the years, uh, trying to mobilize their support base, uh, trying to portray the, the bad Ottawa as a threat <laughs> to Alberta, right? So I think it, it, it's been used successfully by successive governments as a rallying tool to mobilize their base uh, and to, to project Ottawa as a problem for Alberta's uh, interests. What role do you think official multiculturalism plays in that sense of Alberta identity? Because, you know, over the years, certainly I have seen conservative governments make use of multiculturalism. I mean, starting with with Peter Lougheed, but uh, Ralph Klein, too. I mean, it hasn't, it's not as if they have left that issue on the table, but how do you think it has shaped our sense of identity? Well, I think, uh, I mean, official multiculturalism is in one sense a political project and uh, governments use it uh, to, to say, look, we are an, an inclusive province. You know, it, it plays nicely when governments are trying to 
rally around the inclusivity concept that Alberta is, 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 is embracing people from various backgrounds, right? Um, and it, it, it works well, but, you know, strategically, it's also used against Ottawa in yes. the sense that Ottawa is promoting multiculturalism, which in some sense could be uh, against what we see as our better identity, you know, from the perspective of these governments. In other words, multiculturalism in some parts of Alberta is viewed as an Ottawa imposition on the province, right? Uh, but politically speaking, some governments use it craftily, you know, to say, look, we welcome people from all backgrounds here, right? So it, it has its po political uses to emphasize the fact that Alberta is an inclusive province, but it's also useful politically when used strategically against Ottawa as the Ottawa trying to impose a version of its view of multiculturalism on the province. Yeah. So that you were mentioning you've lived here 36 years. So, I mean, yes. in, in almost four decades, we'll round up, in almost yeah. four decades that you've lived in Alberta, how, how, if at all, have you seen Albertans' sense of their own identity change? Well, Paula, this is a, a very difficult question. I think that uh, there are two levels of the way I look at identity. There is the individual level, and I'm going to place myself in that category, how I see it. And then there's a collective sense of who we are as a province, as Albertans. Well, on an individual level, I see myself as carving a place in this place called Alberta, you know, finding my own pathway, given the freedoms that I have in this province, given the opportunities that have been given to me, right? I came here as a university student, went to the University of Alberta, you know, and then I've been in the post-secondary system for close to 30 years. So I've, I've kind of been sheltered <laughs> from the realities of life out there. You know, so my experiences may not necessarily uh, coincide with the experiences of other people who've come here and are struggling to find a place. So on an individual level, I think I personally have found my space here in the province. And I think I, I really have benefited from the opportunities that have been granted to me by living here. Collectively, as a province, I think there are different strands of identities, you know. And I think one, one personal bugbear of mine is that we don't appreciate the differences that we have as Albertans. Yeah. You know, we tend to push it in terms of our political disagreements. You know, I personally really embrace the rural life, in, lifestyle in Alberta, the hard work of our farmers and the people in the rural sector. I do appreciate the individualism as well as the collectivism uh, component of, of, of the province, you know. And Alberta as a province is a composite of these different strands, you know. So people out east often make judgments and they often caricature the province, you know, and I think the reality is quite different. It's a very diverse province, people with different political leanings, political belief systems, and the values that we share uh, are also, uh, they differ, but we also have collective values that we share as, as, as a province. We believe in democracy, 
we believe in hard work, entrepreneurial spirit, and we believe that as a province in inclusivity. Uh, people don't give us credit enough, but I think if you've lived here for all the period I've lived here, I think Albertans are very welcoming people, you know, and uh, it kind of belies the perception that we have outside yes. the province. The redneck stereotype. So yeah. now you came here as a student, but tell me a little bit more about, you know, your, your background, where, yeah. where, you know, what was your journey? Where did it start and how did it come here? Yeah, so I'm, I'm a native Ghanaian. So I'm from uh, the country of Ghana, a, a former British colony uh, called the Gold Coast, which became independent in 1957. So I went to U University of Ghana, I graduated there, and then decided to pursue my uh, postgraduate here in Canada. So I applied and successfully was accepted at Brock University in Ontario. So I flew over here, arrived in the fall, beautiful <laughs> fall scenery. <laughs> no, and, 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 and then? <laughs> no, I mean, for, for somebody coming from uh, West Africa, the fall scenery was just stupendous. It was just tremendous, you know. Um, I finished my degree in a year. Uh, was, I came here in 83 and 84, had my MA in, in politics. That's what it was called at that time at Brock. And then I got accepted to the University of Toronto in, 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 in Ontario. So I went to University of Toronto in 1984, started my PhD there I did one year of it, and then I got accepted by University of Alberta. They asked me to come. Obviously, the tuition at that time was lower in Alberta. They gave me more money. So I, I, I decided to come to Alberta, and I took the bus from Toronto, and I, <laughs> it took about two days, <laughs> and I arrived in Edmonton uh, into this beautiful river valley and the city of Edmonton. So I've been here ever since. And it's been a great decision to, to stick with this province. Now, we recorded the first series of Alberta Unbound before COVID hit. I mean, it was just kind of in the news and hadn't, the reality of it hadn't come home to Canada yet. And we recorded that obviously then before the Black Lives Matter uh, marches and, and protests of this summer. And I wonder, because I'm speaking to you now in December, a few days before Christmas, what impact do you think those two events, COVID-19 and Black Lives Matter, are going to have on the way we define ourselves in, in the months and years ahead? Well, Paula, I think, uh, let me begin with COVID-19. I think COVID-19 personally for me is a very humbling experience. I think everyone on the planet should be humbled and to take what we, not to take what we have for granted. I mean, all of a sudden, even breathing is precious, right? So all the things that we take for granted and over the years, we've simply gone through life without appreciating what we have. I think COVID-19 has really brought it home that we need to really take care of lives it lights uh, wonders, you know, and then the ability to be who we are. Um, but I think COVID-19 is also bringing into 
into, into focus the divisions in our society. The pandemic has been uneven in terms of its impact, you know, and as we move towards the period of looking for vaccination, our response globally should be also embracing the concept of equity, you know, helping the countries that have less uh, financial ability to be able to purchase vaccines. You know, so I think Canada as a country ought to be in that leadership role uh, in terms of helping less uh, endowed countries with help in this area. Black Lives Matter has been a profound development. Um, it affected and uh, energized young people, especially here in Canada and elsewhere, uh, to become engaged in trying to address some of the problems and issues around race and racism. My personal issue with it is what I see is sometimes politicians jump on the bandwagon and use these efforts for their own political benefits. You know? And then when they get into office, completely forget about the, the cause and the reason for people are calling for change. You know? So no, as a Canadian, I'm obviously concerned that Canadians respond more to events in the United States. Yeah. You know, I think, I think uh, we, should be, we, we should put our ear to the ground and see that some of these issues are also here in Canada and we have to respond accordingly rather than waiting for momentous events down south and elsewhere to mobilize us into action. Yeah. I mean, as we're recording this, uh, there have been in just the last few days, three incidents uh, in Edmonton that, um, that appear to be racially motivated cases of violence in two separate incidents. Uh, women uh, who are wearing hijab and who are black were assaulted outside of Southgate Mall, which is in a, you know, an affluent part of the city. Uh, it's not a place where people are habitually attacked and assaulted. And just, I think, last night as we're recording this, uh, uh, the Al-Rashid Mosque put out a press release saying that, a, that another man, a man had been attacked uh, as well, apparently in an uh, Islamophobic uh, racist attack. It's easy. I mean, I had an editor who once said that you had three of anything, you could make a trend story about it in the paper. Uh, you had to have three. That was the magic number, like wise men. Um, so I don't want to, you know, when I see three cases like this in a row, it's kind of easy to jump to a conclusion that we have a huge problem and not a statistical anomaly. But I, I guess I'm just curious to know uh, how we respond to racist attacks like this? And, and what does that say about us and, and our, our sense of our community? It is, it is devastating. It is uh, an attack on the community. Uh, first of all, these incidents put a bad light on the city of Edmonton. The city of Edmonton is a city that embraces diversity. You know, these attacks on visible um, Canadians or people wearing hijab, 
you know, and, and, and it's, it's an attack on all of us, you know, and I think, how do we respond to that, Paula? I think we need to come together as a community and we've done that over the years. We need to show our support for, for the targeted community. Uh, but I think kudos to the Edmonton Police Force. They have the Hate Crimes Unit, very, very uh, important unit, does excellent work. Uh, it's also important that the Alberta government has condemned this, but it needs to be forceful in its approach uh, to make sure that the perpetrators of this kind of incidents are, are, are dealt with, but also to support these communities uh, so that they feel safe as members of, uh, of the Alberta mosaic, members of the Alberta community and part of our Alberta identity. You spoke earlier about the fact that we, you know, we pay so much attention to American news and American politics and that lots of the energy and the impetus for the Black Lives Matter uh, protests in Edmonton this summer, I mean, despite, despite the fact that we have our own history of troubled relations between the police and the, and the Black community, police and the Indigenous community, I mean, a lot of the inspiration, the spark came from what happened in the United States with George Floyd. Do you think on the other end of the teeter-totter, I mean, I mean, what impact do you think the rise of white ethno-nationalism in the United States and the sort of the social license that was given to racist groups by the, the tenure of Donald Trump in the White House? I mean, as, as Donald Trump recedes into history, how wary do we have to be in this universe in which we're so connected, not just by television, but by, by social media that makes the contact instantaneous, that, that, that we're also being influenced out of proportion by what's happening at, at that end of the spectrum? Yeah, we are. We are. I think we are susceptible to messages that come across the border. Uh, obviously, the, the American society right now is very polarized uh, between different forces and amidst, in the midst of that polarization, there's also uh, extremism is on the rise, you know, left and right. Uh, and uh, you say white nationalism, yes, there's also an element of that in the United States. But I think that the the lesson of the Trump years for Canada is that, and I think I've always emphasized this, we should work on building our own society, making sure we deal with our own issues here, look out for our own interests. And I think sometimes we are too focused on what happens in the United States. Uh, and that could be detrimental to how we develop here because Sometimes the issues that happen there don't really pertain to what happens here. You know? But we got caught up in that language uh, and that I think could, could really uh, detract us from what we need to do, building a harmonious society based on the values that we share, the values of tolerance, inclusivity, equality, things that Canadians cherish. You know? But when, when we direct our attention to what is happening down south, it could cloud our judgment and it could actually amplify things that may not actually exist here. 
you know, in, in the form that they exist in the United States. You know, we do have our warts here, of course, but we need to focus on things that unite us as Canadians, as Albertans, uh, and I think there's a lot more there than the things that divide us. So I'm not really concerned about Trumpism. Trumpism is over, <laughs> at least for now, <laughs> but we'll see how it works out. But I think as Canadians, as Albertans, our focus should be on the home front, building things that unite us, the bridge building, communicating, and hammering out some of the issues that divide us rather than focusing too much on what happens down south. It has been a delight to speak with you, um, as, as it has always been in my, in my past career as a journalist. Yeah. Thank you very much for being part of Alberta Unbound. Paula, thank you very much, and thank you for representing Alberta. My conversation with Chaldeans Mensa, recorded in Edmonton just a few days before Christmas. Thank you for listening to this episode of Alberta Unbound. You'll find our previous episodes and our entire first season wherever you find your favorite podcasts. While you're there, you might want to leave a review or a comment. And if you've been intrigued by our discussion, feel free to share your ideas with your friends and relations and share our link too. Alberta Unbound is produced and edited by Ame Charnalia and written and presented by me, Senator Paula Simons. Keep warm, keep well, and do keep listening.